Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's the Duval Hot Takes Podcast, starring Sean Daly. There is no other ship that you can trust more than the John Ship Lee. Pat Smith. I just know that uh, wherever we're watching this draft, there's got to be at least one handle of Jaeger. With Taylor Smith and Devin May. He's actually landing at 7.30. Who all's going to be there? Joe. Shut Joe mouth. Oh, oh God. Wow. Wow. You've been, oh, my goodness. You've been, you've been holding that one in? <laughs> Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, good day to you and welcome to the Duval Hot Takes Podcast, your favorite podcast for the Jacksonville Jaguars, brought to you by Big Cat Country and SB Nation. My name is Taylor Smith. I'm your moderator for the show. I am joined by your hosts, Sean Daly. Waza! Pat Smith. Yes, sir. And Facts and Stats man, Devin Mabe. Hello. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, and we are now just one day away from the 2022 NFL Draft. This has been a very exciting draft week for Jags fans. Twitter has been on fire. Sports media in general has just been buzzing nonstop. Last week, we contributed to the frenzy. We dropped our mock drafts, and we weren't the only ones. Mock drafts dropping all over the place. We're seeing them across the SB Nation network, our other Big Cat Country friends, and even one of our very best friends, today's special guest, Mr. John Shipley, who joins us on the show once again. John, so great to hear from you, and welcome. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed I don't have an intro already on hand like the rest of you guys, but <laughs> otherwise, happy beyond. I'm very shocked that you think that we had those ready. Like, you, <laughs> you, you think I, I typed in was up, <laughs> like, ready to release this banger. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, mock drafts are out. Um, so before we get started, I know Sean and Pat, they got their questions ready for you. But Let's do it. Uh, you had got your mock draft out. In our last episode, we only got the first four rounds, the first, what's that, five picks. Uh, for those in our uh, audience who have not seen your mock draft, would you very quickly just go through your first five picks for us? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I think, you know, another thing is, you know, as just before, you know, I go through them, as we get, you know, closer to the draft, probably on Wednesday, I'll do my final, like, prediction prediction you know for what they do at number one overall and at number 33 and then you know as the week goes on i'll go you know more and more but i'll have my final guesses for one and 33 i know with all the walker smoke you know there's a lot of people switching between him and hutchinson but uh-huh. and and what i had on friday and this was before trent and doug spoke to the media i, w- I wouldn't have changed it you know just based off a of press conference but this was on last friday morning i had number one Aiden Hutchinson, I, you know, still think that, you know, he'll be seen as like the safe pick and the almost the the most unflammable pick on <laughs> by national standards. Preach. 
you know, for basically, you know, to pick that, you know, you're, you're sure it's not going to be bad and people aren't going to talk about it much. I, I really do think they like Walker, but at the end of the day, I think it's a coin flip between one of those two. I'm, I'm confident it's going to be one of those two, not an offensive tackle. Uh, in round two, I had Georgia linebacker Quay Walker. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that think, you know, he could be a first-round pick. I know he's got visits with some of the teams that pick at the end of the first. Uh, I've seen Detroit Lions at number 32 thrown out there. That's a bit rich for me. So I, I really think getting him at 33 would be, you know, solid value just because I think, you know, he's normally a guy you would see as kind of a second-round prospect. But I, I think if he's there, they pull a the trigger on him because, you know, he matches all the traits they like at linebacker. He can cover really well. He's a really good tackler. And, you know, he ensures you have a second starter at the position when, you know, right now I don't think you can say they have one. Uh, in the third round at number 65, I gave them Memphis offensive guard slash center Dylan Parham. You know, he played, played guard, you know, throughout his uh, college career. Then, you know, played a lot of center at the senior bowl. Really, really interested teams at that position. I The reason I think he'll be available in the third round, I really don't think he's a fit for probably half the teams in the league just because, you know, he's going to come in as one of the lightest, you know, smallest guards in the NFL. But for, like, zone blocking teams that, you know, kind of prioritize mobility over size on the offensive line, like I think the Jaguars are going to, uh, especially on the interior line, I think he's a guy who makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then, you know, moving on to the other third-round pick, number 70 overall, I gave them Illinois safety Kirby Joseph. You know, he's a guy I think would fit really well with Andre Cisco. They have kind of different skill sets. Uh, Cisco's a guy who I think is uh, as good tackling and coming downhill in the box as he is, you know, in coverage, whereas Joseph is more of a, you know, the kind of prototypical stereotype you know deep center field safety you know guy who you can play way off covering his own third of the field he has great range he has great ball skills uh they've shown a lot of interest in them and we know shotcom loves drafting his illinois players and then uh the the fifth pick this was round four i had somebody tweet at me and said if uh, Kyle Phillips is the only receiver the Jaguars add, I will personally come to your house and paint <laughs> your face. And I completely get it, but I mocked a UCLA wide receiver, Kyle Phillips, round four, number 106 overall. Uh, he's a slot receiver, like every other receiver on the roster. But you know, they they just have a you know complete vibe of you know we're gonna add these similar type guys together and we'll figure out the rest from there. I think they value getting open and quick feet over size. And when you get the round four, I'm not sure there are that many better options. And a receiver class, I honestly think, is a little overrated. Ooh, nice. hot take, hot take. No, nice. No, I, 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 we've had some like insane yeah. receiver classes. Yes. I'm like, when, when I was tearing them yesterday, I went ahead and, uh, and instead of just releasing one giant big board, which I, I'll do, but I'm gonna go like position by position. I did receivers yesterday, and I'm like. Man, like, I, there's a couple of guys I like, but after a couple of guys, like, this class is pretty, you can pretty much keep, you know, the rest of the people. So, you know, I have some of my favorites. I think Drake London and Chris Olave are awesome. I think George Pickens is awesome. I think Justin Ross is still really good despite injuries. I think if you watch uh, Clemson last year, he honestly is, I think, really underrated right now because he was actually getting open. They just, they couldn't get the ball within a, within a zip code. Or two you drink that Kool Aid, John. You drink that Justin Ross Kool Aid. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> if you had if you had to spearhead this receiver class with a number one, who would that be? 
I really think Pickens at 33 would be the best possible pick because I think he's a true X receiver. He's really good at blocking, which would come in handy, you know, in the Jaguar scheme. Uh, he's a really good fit with Trevor Lawrence. He has a speed to win deep. I just personally don't feel like they're going to target a receiver at 33, but if I'm the Jaguars, you know, I'm obviously not taking one at number one. Sure. If I was general manager and I'm saying, okay, I need to add a receiver at some point, Pickens at 33 is the move I would kind of be circling. So when it comes to building this roster through the draft, uh, do you think the Jaguars are going to take needs at position uh, over best player available? Are they going to move up and down their board in order to fill those needs? Like, I feel like everybody that does a mock draft for the Jaguars has like the same four positions that they're hammering home, which is edge rusher, safety, interior lineman, and guard. Or, or, uh, or no, what's the... Uh, a linebacker. I think linebacker is the biggest need on this team. Uh, it's like I feel like we have Foye Luquan, who's never played on the Jaguars before, and he's already your best linebacker. And then now who's going to start next to him? I, I have no idea. Yeah. So do you think Quay Walker has to be the guy at 33, or do you think the Jaguars could pick a linebacker later, like a JoJo Doman, or do you have another name, maybe a fourth-round guy? Here's my thing. I think teams boards are so dramatically different from like media boards and boards people you'll see on like draft twitter so like you know if the consensus you know the media and fans see quay walker is more of a 50th overall guy there are probably nfl teams that see him as you know like a top 20 top 25 player in the class so what we see as a reach might not be what the team sees as a certain reach, you know, I, I really believe that they're going to go best player available. I mean, last year, you know, they made several picks. I think uh, obviously the Travis Etienne pick, not a position of need. Uh, the Tyson Campbell pick, that was before C.J. Henderson, you know, really started spiraling in, you know, the eyes of that were James. So at the time, that wasn't, you know, a need pick. Walker Little wasn't a need pick. Dude only played, you know, three games. Uh, Cisco, I think you can even make an argument for, you know, not as much as a need pick as positions they passed over, you know, like wide receiver, like tight end, you know, like defensive line. So I, I, I think there are arguments to make for the Jaguars, you know, maybe having to reach early on a position like a guard or even linebacker just because they have nobody there. But I think if there's anything Trent Baalke has shown us in the past, it's that he's going to go by his board and not pay. That need really, in my opinion, will take a back seat, especially in the early rounds. You mentioned differences in opinion based off of media, fans, and then obviously the franchise. You look at that dreaded, and I say dreaded because I can't think of a better word for it, that 1-1 this year just doesn't look like you can hit anywhere, right? And that nothing it seems that you can get at one overall seems to be worth the risk, if you will. Because then, you know, you'd rather be in the later stages, I feel like, if anything, in this draft. Now you're kind of seeing things come out. Doug Peterson has been linked to wanting an offensive player to what would seem to be a tackle in this draft. Uh, Trent Baalke seems to really be fueling the the Walker fire. And then you hear Shad Khan, he's really feeling Aiden Hutchinson. With this collective group, first year altogether, um, will 1-1 kind of dictate what we can see moving forward as as the season progresses as far as who who holds more weight in in shot calling i mean i know everything was nice and pretty at the press conference initially when they announced doug peterson and they said they were going to make it work and you know most people are scratching their heads wondering well that's just not how 
things work in the real world. So now we're, we're facing our first real world problem as a franchise. Uh, how much weight does that one one pick uh, dictate moving forward? Yeah, no, I, I think it dictates, you know, really a lot. I think, you know, who they ultimately select is going to tell us a lot about their new kind of structure, if you want to call it new. If I, if, you know, I'm just going off, this isn't, you know, any inside information or anything. This is just my assumption based on how most, you know, front offices work. I do think Doug Peterson has, you know, a super, you know, significant voice. I think his entire coaching staff has a significant voice, but I don't think many coaches want to be the voice when it comes to personnel power. You know, I think he wants to be included in the decisions, uh, but I don't think he wa- it wants to be a scenario where he's the guy, you know, I don't think he wants to be Bill Belichick or anything like that. So I do think ultimately that, you know, if it came down to, you know, I, the question that they always get asked is if the two of you disagree on something, who, who wins the tie? I really believe Trent Baalke does. And I'm going to believe that uh, until uh, really proven otherwise. So in John Shipley, juggernaut Jaguars beat writers mind, all right, what defines a successful draft? So how many starters do the Jaguars need to get out of this draft in order to look back on the 2022 draft and say that's a success? Would you say four starters, five starters, three starters? We got to leave this draft with how many starters in order for this draft to be successful? Yeah, no, I, I think you need to come away with at least four guys who, if they're not going to start, at the very least push, you know, people, like, really to the brink of starting. So I, I think with those first four picks, you have to get, you know, guys who can start. Obviously, that first pick's going to be either a lineman or an edge rusher. You have to have at least one pick who can start in the trenches. I think they have to come away with a starting linebacker. Uh, I, I don't think they have to come away with a starting interior lineman, but they obviously have to come away with some depth. But overall, I, I really think those first couple picks you make, especially when you're on a roster like this where you signed, you know, eight guys in free agency, I think that kind of shows us really how they see their roster and the fact that it needs this much overhauling. So I think you want at least those first four guys to start and the next, you know, however many guys to give you some much-needed depth. But if you can get more than four guys starting, I think you're – you know that's perfect yeah so you you say that we really have to hit on the early picks like one of these you know four picks like we got to get two really good guys uh the jaguars have not been successful in getting late round talent like developing late round guys to be starters unless jordan smith comes out this year and balls out of his mind i think that the jaguars have been missing on the late round picks Uh, from you i want to hear one or two names of fifth to seventh round guys since we're going to be running the sixth round this year john we've got every pick in the sixth round i don't know if you you you've paid attention to that but (laughs) we we have them all we've cornered the market so i want to hear a guy that maybe you've looked into that's gonna be the guy that we look at from this draft like man i can't believe we got him so late he's a steal yeah i i think there are a couple different guys uh, like that i think Bo Melton out of Rutgers could be a guy like that. You know, he obviously played with some terrible quarterbacks at Rutgers and wasn't able to kind of show off his entire skill set. But he's a really solid depth guy, can, you know, create out to the catch, can make tough catches downfield, has special teams value. So I think he's definitely one guy that kind of goes with that. Uh, man, some other guys that just, you know, come to mind. Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. Uh, not a great blocker, not the most explosive guy, but he just makes tough catches. You know, he's really, really good at, you know, positioning his body and overall 
overall just winning that battle. And then uh, another guy that I'm, you know, really high on, especially in terms of, you know, against the overall consensus is uh, UNC running back Ty, Ty Chandler. I, I think he's, you know, super explosive. He has the strength to win inside and break tackles. He has the burst to, you know, be an option on third down and, you know, kind of create in space. So those are some guys I really like uh, later on in the draft. I think Bubba Bolden out of Miami is another uh, – he's a safety I really like. Uh, Damone Clark, uh, linebacker from LSU, I think he would have carried a round two grade if he didn't, you know, have an injury that's going to make him miss his rookie year. Uh, John Ridgeway from Arkansas, really solid nose tackle option. You know, there are guys really all through the draft, too. I think you can get later on in the draft and still be pretty happy with your production. We talk about slides a lot, too. Um, you, you're looking at this first round. I think there's there's a lot of talent. You know, you say that that receiver class isn't as explosive as years prior. And I tend to agree with you, especially from a size concept, um, physicality size. Uh, Who for you at round two at 33, right before they shut the lights off in Vegas? If we're if you're the Jaguars, who at 33 would you see slip out of the first round? And throw just you already know what you're doing the next day. You can go to sleep. You don't have any worries about you. You're, you who is your ultimate trump card at at 33? No matter who's there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good question. I think if two guys like Lewis Sign from Georgia or Zion Johnson, I don't expect either one of them to be there. But if they were at 33, that's a pick. I think you you know you run in and you're happy as hell to make. Uh, other guys who I think would kind of fall in that category. Uh, I don't think Devin Lloyd falls out of the first, but if he did for some reason, uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Kyer Elam, Tyler Lindebaum, they, they, those are all guys that I would really honestly be able to make an easy pick at 33. And another one that I think is less obvious, but another pick that, you know, if I'm after the first round and I see this guy sitting there, I'm not afraid to pull that trigger quickly. I think uh, Tulsa offensive lineman Tyler Smith, you know, I know he was a left tackle in college. I believe he can play guard. I believe he can even play right tackle. Or you can keep him at left tackle and develop him, you know, behind Cam Robinson. And, you know, if you're going to have too many good players, it might as well be out of position as key as offensive tackle. So I think those are guys who really uh, catch my eye. N'Kobe Dean's a guy I would personally take there as well, and I do think he'll be there. But I just I don't get the sense that they would do that. Yeah, it seems as though the Jaguars don't like N'Kobe Dean for some reason. Everything that I've been hearing, I'm like, of course the Jaguars don't like the Buckus Award winner. Like, come on, what are you what are you talking about? That bothers me so much because he would fit perfectly next to Foyer Luquan. It's too obvious, but, uh, Sean. It's too obvious. We don't. Do I know. It's just like Aiden Hutchinson. We got to go the other way. We got to do the big <laughs> brain theories. If we don't, what what are we doing here? So I'm assuming, John, that you've done your tape work on Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. I have. Uh, so they are two very vastly different players. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is technically sound, uh, has a bull rush, has great get off. Uh, Trayvon Walker, for some reason, everyone thinks his ceiling is so high. Like there is no ceiling. Like he could be the best pass rusher in the history if he's just developed correctly. Uh, so how do you look at somebody that can come in and be a day one starter and a cornerstone on the defense rather than somebody that's a project that you want to develop and could be an all time great in maybe a year or two? Do the Jaguars have the luxury to take a project at number one overall, in your opinion, in Trayvon Walker? Yeah, no, I I have uh, Walker and 
Hutchison graded really closely uh, at the end oh, of the day. Wow. I, I have uh, Hutchison at number five, Walker at number seven. So I, I think they're both firmly in that tier two uh, at the edge position behind Thibodeau. I get the argument for either one. I do think Hutchison is a guy who it's a lot easier to see kind of the vision with because, you know, you, you've already seen him do it. Uh, I, I personally think he's better as a 4-3 in than as a 3-4 linebacker, which to me, if, if you're going to talk about a trump card in favor of Walker over Hutchinson, it's that I think Walker is much, much more versatile. To me, Hutchinson, I want him, you know, uh, lining up wide in a wide nine and, uh, you know, seven alignments and going, pinning his ears back on the edge and not doing much more than that. But Walker, I really think, can play any position, you know, along the defensive line. So I, I, I think when you look at both of them, there are obviously pluses and minuses that go against both. I think, you know, obviously Hutchinson has the athletic testing that says he has a high ceiling, but I, I still think you look at some issues such as his length and, you know, some of the more uh, times that he disappeared in big games that weren't the Ohio State game. But then Walker has, you know, just as many questions, you know. It, it, any scenario you see where he is a consistent pass rusher, it's a projection just because, you know, we haven't seen it yet. I think he has uh, 13 career quarterback hits, you know, in three years of Georgia, two years of playing pretty significant snaps. So I, I, I do think Walker is too athletic to be an outright bust. I, I, I don't think players that big, that powerful, that explosive, and that long uh, can really fail at the NFL level uh, unless, you know, they're just, you know, a, a, basically a horrible person, <laughs> a horrible worker. And by all accounts, there's that's not who, uh, you know, Walker is. So I do think they're both going to be good players. It's just... I don't know if the Jacks can afford to be that team that waits on a guy to, you know, develop and figure it out. Just, you know, I know they're rebuilding, but the Jaguars are starred for something that looks like actual NFL football. You know, they, they've, you know, won four games in the last two years. I don't think they're as interested as most rebuilding teams in taking, you know, the long road, which is why I think Hutchinson, you know, makes more sense for them. So, John, listen, I, I need you to take the, the good guy cape off. I, I want you to be a dickhead for me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> out of the top 10 you know we'll say the top 10 the guys that are they're touted to be the top 10 talents out of this draft give me a bust or two give me two guys that you can see are going to fall on their face ruin a franchise not going to elevate to the next level you don't see it no chance all smoke no fire yeah this no. year's Clavon chase on <laughs> if if I'm talking about guys picked in the top 10. I'll go as much as I really want him to succeed just because, you know, it, the way he plays is so fun. I mean, I'll go with Ikem Ekwanu. I, I, I really think this guy, <laughs> okay. he has Greg Robinson potential at left hand. <laughs> I think he, he will be an awesome guard. I, I still have him in my top 10 players, but I am terrified of if, – if my job depended on it, I, I wouldn't take him to play left tackle. I just – I would not – yeah, and, oh, that was great. That's good enough for and me. Then, uh, Garrett Wilson. Any team that takes Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Wowzers. Fire. Wait, wait, let me get the Garrett Wilson talk. Not even the best receiver on his team, John if, says. If, you, if you're built like Garrett Wilson, you need to test like Odell Beckham. And he 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 did not test like Odell Beckham. So I'm I'm passing on Garrett Wilson now. I got you. All right. I got you. Okay. Speaking of speaking of Cam Robinson, now listen, I don't know if that was enough shade. Greg, Greg Robinson. Oh, Greg, Greg Robinson. Robinson. Okay. I was gonna say yeah, out of Auburn. Cam Robinson's looking yeah. at a at a, a possible extension. Is that smoke or do you think that there's some legitimacy there for, for Cam Robinson? Oh, I, I, I think I think there's definitely legitimacy i mean they've said it like three or four times now to at the point where 
if it doesn't happen, they they just look, you know, they, they look stupid. Hey, yo, man, but I'm like, that's why the course, you right? keep talking about extending? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think he's going to get extended. I, I bet he gets, you know, like a four-year deal. I would assume over $40 million guaranteed. What does that do to Walker Little, John? Uh, learn right tackle. <laughs> but wait, no, you, you can't learn right tackle because Browkey loves Jawan Taylor. They love Jawan Taylor. They refuse to look at Landon uh, Lyle Collins in the offseason free agency, who would have fit perfectly a right tackle for the Jaguars. Instead, he goes to the Bengals. So why? What makes you think that they would take Jawan Taylor, his his great Hall of Fame potential, out of right tackle and put Walker Little there? I think. It's going to be what I call the James Robinson exception, where last year, I, I do not believe at all from all the conversations I've had, uh, both dating back to last year and since last year, that the Jaguars entered training camp with the idea that James Robinson would be their number one running back. Uh, but I think he just, you know, so far, simply outclassed every other running back, even before Travis Etienne got hurt. That you know, that's why he was getting those reps in the first two preseason games. He's just that good that no matter what your intentions are on paper or, you know, in your galaxy brains, <laughs> when you get on the field, you know, he he's gonna make it happen. And I just think, you know, once they get on the field, Walker Little's gonna look, you know, better than Jawan Taylor because I I personally I, I don't think it's a hot take to say little might be the best tackle on the roster, even though Cam's obviously, Ooh. you know, about to get paid like it. Okay, all right, I like that. So, you know, so one extension leads to Walker Little changing positions. We have another lineman that could potentially change positions. Say we miss out on Dylan Parham. I saw a mock that has the Patriots taking him at fifty-four. So we could miss out on Dylan Parham. We could miss out on Linderbaum. We could go the first four picks without taking an interior lineman. J.C. Treader's not out there anymore. Okay, so doomsday scenario, interior line. We're swinging Ben Barts from right guard to left guard. Do you think he has the ability, and is he technically sound enough and coached well enough to be able to play left guard at a high level in the NFL? Me, personally, I, I don't think you've seen enough to the level to – not invest in a guard early in the draft. I still think they need to take an interior offensive lineman uh, within, you know, that second, third round range. Just because, you know, I, I do think Barch, you know, showed some improvement in his second year compared to his rookie season. But I, I don't feel like it was enough improvement to the work. He can be one of those players where you can look at, you know, head of training camp and say, okay, you know, we, we know who's starting in that spot. I think that's the consensus. We definitely, if Dylan Parham's not there at 65, we're scrambling, man. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> the folders are getting thrown around. Papers are flying. So that's why I think that the Jaguars, they see glaring needs on this team. Left guard, uh, uh, you know, Sam linebacker, uh, deep safety, uh, they need to move around in this draft to, to able to target guys that they want. So the Jaguars have 12 picks. How many picks do you think the Jaguars actually end up making during this in draft? Do you think they will trade the later round picks to move up in the draft to get those players that they target at positions in need? Or do you think we take 12 guys and hope we hit Jalen Camp, baby? Come on. Hopefully we hit on one of these late guys. Who knows? I, I think they'll make you know, maybe one or two trades on day three, like, you know, the Jordan Smith trade last year where, Ugh. you know, they made it in the fourth round and they, they gave up a pick, but ultimately it's, you know, it's in the fourth round. It's not really for anything significant. So I think they, uh, you know, the, the actual significant picks, which are, you know, those 
first five, those first, you know, really six, I think they're going to hold on to. Uh, I'd imagine they make a couple trades on day three to get get some targets they really like. But overall, I don't think they're going to do anything too crazy. Like, I, I've been asked if I thought they were going to trade 33 to get back into round one, and I don't. I, I think if they trade 33, it's because they're trading it to some other team and getting, you know, even more picks. Because, I mean, I, I do think they think that the roster is legitimately, you know, depleted enough to warrant picking that many rookies. So just a fun little take. Um, I think everyone's pretty much, you know, racked their brains on on the Jaguars big board. Have you had a chance to look at the quarterbacks coming out? Uh, I, I graded yeah, I'm gonna say I got my big board in front of me. I graded five guys. I, I okay. last year I did like ten or eleven. I said this year I would look at like the top like names, but I wouldn't go further than that just because, you know, I, I gotta have some respect for my own time, even if it's not not a lot. Yeah. No, <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, you know, and I won't even we we like we're minimalist here at Duval Hot Take. So <laughs> I, I I really just want your your top three and if you can give me maybe a little NFL comp for, for the guys, that'd be great. We we can't even spell minimalist here at Duval Hot Takes. Don't don't listen <laughs> no, to that. No, that was actually Siri that was just Siri talking as well in my voice. I couldn't do it. So No, I'll go uh I'll go Malik Willis. Uh this this is gonna sound horribly offensive. But Drew Locke. Oh, you're in the right place, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, baby. Drew Locke is my comp for uh, Malik Willis. No, I, I I know it's not a perfect one, but that that's uh, you know where I stand. I still think, you know, this bad quarterback class, he's still the guy I'm taking, you know, before you know, most of these other guys. Uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, Teddy Bridgewater to me, uh, you know, he can do pretty much everything at an okay level. Nothing really at a great level. I think he's not going to lose you many games. I'm not sure how many he's going to win you, but as a placeholder quarterback, I think he's solid. I think they're both you know second round talents. And then uh, number three, I have him as a third rounder. I have Kenny Pickett, and I actually gave him uh, Gardner Minshew with small hands but normal height. I'm glad you mentioned the small hands. It's a big thing in the NFL world now. We got to make sure our quarterbacks have large hands. I'm yeah. sorry, just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that doesn't always work. EJ Manuel had like huge hands and uh, he couldn't read a manual. So that <laughs> did not work out. So, you know, <laughs> it goes both ways. Uh, you mentioned comp. So this isn't my original question. I'm going to throw this question. In. You mentioned comp. Okay. And I'm trying to drink the Trayvon Walker Kool-Aid. All right. It doesn't taste good right now. It tastes like it's been in the pantry for months. It's poison, children. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it. It doesn't. It's not tasting too good. But I want you to throw me best, best possible comparison for Trayvon Walker. Give me an NFL name that has had success in the NFL that Trayvon Walker could grow into that I can get excited about. And maybe make this Kool Aid taste a little better. Uh, the two names I've been using are. Uh, Rashawn Gary and you know Daniil Hunter. Uh, obviously, neither one's a perfect comparison, but I, I I could see him taking you know the Rashawn Gary development plan and being just super raw as a rookie, and then in year two and year three, you're like, oh damn, this guy's this guy's a freak of nature. He's actually figuring out what he's doing now. Okay, all right, okay, Rashawn Gary, I can. In live with worst that. case scenario, John, do you think he's going to hold the helmets at practice or give out the water? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, He's trying to be more as a shoulder pad guy. Shoulder pad guy, yeah. Okay. I, because uh, here's a hot take for you: uh, Trayvon Walker comes into camp and he is not better than Dewan Smoot. So Dewan Smoot is going to be playing more snaps than Trayvon Walker year one. And if you're going to draft a guy number one where Dewan Smoot is better than him, why are you taking him one one? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's no, like, I, I my message to everybody has really been, you know, no matter 
how much uh, copium there is, I, I really don't think that this is... I, I think this is a horrible year to have the number one pick. I, worse than my opinion since 2013. Yeah. I, I, I think no matter what player you take, you're like, eh, yep. eh, okay, whatever. All right, so this is my last question. Uh, who on the Jaguars roster after the draft, currently on the roster before the draft, after the draft, who gets put on the bubble and now is could be a training camp casualty? Simply because the Jaguars drafted a potential replacement in the draft. Give me one or two names. Uh, Jawan Taylor, I think, would be the big name. Uh, maybe Chris Manhurts. Love that casualty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, because you're thinking Pat loves Jeremy Rucker out of Ohio State, and we drafted Jeremy Rucker last year, all right, and Luke Farrell. <laughs> all right. So he wants to double down on Luke Farrell. And uh, and that would mean Chris Manhurts, but you know that that wouldn't hurt as much as Jawan Taylor. I think you know I cannot believe that we're talking about Jawan Taylor as a training camp casualty, possibly when the Jaguars had a chance to sign Lyle Collins. It's gonna bother me until the end of time why we didn't look to replace Jawan Taylor. And Trent Balky's answer that he gave that you brought up on your Twitter account when asked about if right tackle was a need, he said. Is that a real question? Yeah. Is that a joke? <laughs> yeah. I, what, what do you mean, is that a yeah. joke? Like, are, are we watching the same games out there? So, Jawan Taylor, not the, I, I got to rub my eyes and watch again. He's not the guy holding on every play, getting seven penalties a, a week? I don't understand. No, I, I, I think it's, especially because Taylor, I thought after his rookie season was really trending upward, you know, and being like, okay, one of those young tackles you can keep a name on and just. The last two years, dude, he just feel like he hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, no, it d- doesn't feel like there's a good ceiling. Doesn't feel like there's a good floor. Feels like the house needs to be sold. You know, <laughs> like can we? There, there, there's no strong beams to hang anything from. We got to get rid of this. And so, I like that idea, uh, putting Walker t- Walker Little at right tackle and uh, moving forward that way. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. All right, John. I know we're running out of time. Uh, man, I knew Sean and Pat were going to drill you, but John Shipley rolls with us. Always good to hear from you, sir. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always love coming on. Uh, excited for when I do it for when they pick number one overall again uh, next year. But <laughs> no, can, uh... oh, oh, man's got hot takes to spare. My God, you're going to put us out of a job. Uh, so, so, like you said at the start, your picks aren't final as of this show. So if we want to find the latest from John Shipley, let's get your info. Where can we find you? You can follow me at underscore John underscore Shipley, uh, Jaguar Report. It's at jaguarreportsi.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Uh, we try to bring, you know, the best daily Jag stuff, whether it's news, uh, coverage. If if it's something we don't pay any attention to, we think it's something that it's just not worth, you know, bearing, bearing any thoughts. So we try to hit everything. Perfect. Thank you. And thanks, as always, for joining us today. Just a genuine pleasure to get to talk with you and uh, looking forward to next time when you take over for Sean. (laughs) I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, brother. All right, listeners, as for us, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Duval Hot Takes podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. I'm Taylor Smith, moderator. Sean Daly, host. Pat Smith, co-host. Devin May, facts and stats. The draft begins tomorrow, everyone. This is it. Excitement in the air. Jaeger and Pat's Cup. He'll be on Twitter reacting live to the first overall pick, so follow us at Duval Hot Takes and share your takes with us. Who's it going to be? Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, trade back, make some moves. I don't know. Let's find out. And then when it's all said and done, we'll meet you again right here with our draft recap. Peace.